Hello, this is Father Michael Eads from the Toronto Oratory, and you're listening to Lexio et Oratio, a short spiritual reading podcast followed by a reflection. Abandonment to Divine Providence by Jean-Pierre de Cossade, S.J., Book 3, Chapter 1, Section 4, Distrust of Self. The fourth trial of souls in the state of abandonment, the obscurity of their state, and their apparent opposition to the will of God. For a soul that desires nothing else but the will of God, what could be more miserable than the impossibility of being certain of loving him? Formally, it was mentally enlightened to perceive in what consisted the plan for its perfection. But it is no longer able to do so in its present state. Perfection is given to it contrary to all preconceived ideas, to all light, to all feeling. It is given by all the crosses sent by providence, by the action of present duties, by certain attractions, which have in them no good beyond that of not leading to sin, but seem very far from the dazzling sublimity of sanctity in all that is unusual in virtue. God and his grace are given in a hidden and strange manner, for the soul feels too weak to bear the weight of its crosses and disgusted with its obligations. Its attractions are only for quite ordinary exercises. The ideal it has formed of sanctity reproaches it interiorly for its mean and contemptible disposition. All books treating of the lives of the saints condemn it. It can find nothing in vindication of its conduct. It beholds a brilliant sanctity which renders it disconsolate because it has not enough strength to attain to it. And it does not see that its weakness is divinely ordered, but looks upon it as cowardice. Those whom it knows to be distinguished for striking virtue of sublime contemplation regard it only with contempt. What a strange saint, say they. And the soul, believing this, and confused by the countless useless efforts to raise itself from this low condition, is overwhelmed with opprobrium and has nothing to advance in its own favor, either to itself or to others. The soul in this state feels as if it were lost. Its reflections afford it no help for its guidance or enlightenment, and divine grace seems to have failed it. It is, however, through this loss that it finds again that same grace substituted under a different form and restoring a hundredfold more than it took away by the purity of its hidden impressions. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Angels of God, our guardians dear, to whom God's love commits us here, ever this day be at our side, to light and guard, to rule and guide. Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus, teacher of teachers, have mercy on us. Saint Philip Neri, gentle God of youth, patron of thy own, vessel of the Holy Ghost, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Why does Father de Cossade talk about a fourth trial? Well, we're in this chapter on the state of abandonment. Not simply its advantages, not its effects, but the state, especially in regards to its trials. What is it like to be in this state? How is it experienced? Well, the first trial, as we've seen, is that there are criticisms made of it. People do not think that this person is living up to their expectations. And then a second trial is that it faces all sorts of unfair judgments from other people. The third trial is that its own judgments of itself seem to indicate that it's not what it thought it was. There is a kind of self, kind of contempt that comes upon the soul. These are all experienced as great difficulties, great trials. And now we come to the fourth trial, which is that it's not sure <laughs> that it's on the right path. Not only does it seem to itself to be not that great, but it's even worse than that. It seems like it may even be lost. It's very obscure where it really is. And there seems to be an apparent opposition to the will of God. What's going on here? Well, Father Dick Osad says something very helpful. That God has placed the soul in this state of abandonment. And what the soul really wants all it really wants when it's reached this state is the will of God. That is the fundamental disposition of someone who's been led into the state of abandonment. Now, we all are trying to live abandonment. We're all trying to practice abandonment. But this is the state in which that desire has become our main food, our main way of living. And we think, well, once a person only wants the will of God, won't everything be easy? Well, no. Look at Mother Mary. From the very beginning, as soon as she found out that she was going to be the mother of the Savior, there was a darkness surrounding St. Joseph. 
There was a darkness about what would happen. There was a darkness and uncertainty about how the child would be protective and looked after, how he would ever possibly get to Bethlehem be born. There was the obscurity, the darkness, the flight of flighting into, fleeing into Egypt. All the people being killed. The darkness and obscurity of the hidden life. The darkness and obscurity of the three days of losing him. What did Mary do wrong? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. She is the ever virgin, the blessed virgin Mary without sin. And yet without sin, there's darkness. Why? Because the Lord is increasing her grace. The Lord is allowing her to live that state of abandonment fully. And when we enter into that state, and it's very good to have a clear idea of what it's like, even if we're not there yet. It's good to know where things are being led to. Partly so that we don't get a mistaken idea that if we aren't in this state, we've already reached perfection. Somehow we think we're already arrived at the final destination. But if we haven't gone through something like he's describing, then we have a ways to go. Again, that doesn't mean that where we are now is bad. It doesn't mean we should despise the progress we've made. No, we should be grateful. It's just that there's a turn up ahead into that dark field that we have to go into. We have to go with our Lord into the agony in the garden. We have to share with him the cross so that our souls can be purified even more of their own attachment to themselves. Even when the Lord takes away all these things from us so that we want his will, there remains this stubborn attachment to ourselves to our own preconceived ideas, to our own feelings. And what does the Lord do? He leads us away from our preconceived ideas. He leads us away to the feelings we thought we should have. All the things we thought the saint should have, all the things we thought that the spiritual life consisted in, it's sort of overturned it seems, because the Lord does not want us to think that we can create the path to sanctity. And so he allows us to feel our weakness. He allows us to be distrusted by other people. He allows us to think that maybe we're even on the wrong path. All along the way, he's upholding us. He's sustaining us. All along the way, we are actually growing even greater holiness. Because what are we having to do? We're having to sacrifice our own ideas, our own mind, to just say to the Lord, thy will be done. I don't know where this is leading. I don't know what has happened exactly. To whom shall we go? Jesus, to whom else shall we go? 
you have the words of eternal life. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.